Mormon Tabernacle Choir. God be with you till we meet again. We certainly do remember all of those who have lost their lives to gender-based violence, who have lost their lives at the hand of the very decrepit and corrupt security apparatus of this country, as we do those who passed away 10 years ago this day, Zanani Mandela, at the start of what was to be in this country one longer, very happy month as we played host to the FIFA World Cup. Of course, we didn't advance to the knockout stages. Story for another day when we talk about Bafana Bafana, but nonetheless, everybody who was South African, wherever in the world one might have been, surely would have been proud. As we should be about the latest judgment, of course, I have to nibble at this because everybody has had their say. I can't but not have mine. Advocate Michael Osborne, constitutional law practitioner here, talking to us this evening about the Constitutional Court declaring the relevant section of the election Act as unconstitutional. Perhaps just to bring everybody on board, Advocate Osborne, let's just quickly synthesize the core of the judgment, what exactly it means for those who might not be inclined at law, just to understand for that we can have a legal debate after what you would have said as a place setting of the scene, so to speak. Good evening. Good evening to you. Well, the decision of the court today was to the following effect. Up till now, anyone who's wanted to stand as a member of parliament has needed, as a first step, to join or form a political party. It's that political party that goes into the election, and based upon the proportion of the overall vote that that party obtains, it will then have the right to assign a proportionate number of its candidates to go and sit, whether in Parliament or in the provincial legislature. Yes. That's always been the situation. That's always been the assumption from the beginning of uh, the, the current constitutional period. Now, today, the court said not necessarily so. Mm-hmm. If you want to go and sit in Parliament in 2024, the next general election, you don't have to go and register your own political party or join an existing political party. You can stand as an independent and uh, take up your seat under a electoral act that will need to be amended for that purpose. Because the Electoral Act, as it currently stands, only allows you to go through a political party to take your seat in Parliament or a provincial legislature. So that's the point. The court held today that the Electoral Act, as it's now written, which allows only for political parties to campaign for election, has to be amended to bring it into alignment with sections 18 and 19 of the Constitution, which create the right of independents who don't feel like being part of a political political party yes. to go on their own bat. That is important because Justice Madlanga did take some time to explain the negative meaning, so to speak, of the right to freedom of association, whereas under normal circumstances, the positive aspect of it, so to speak, which has been for the most part well understood, you can be part of any organization 
association, so to speak, of people for the purposes of enjoying the rights enshrined in the Bill of Rights. But that alone doesn't speak to the entirety of the right. And he spoke about the negative aspect. In other words, I do not have to, and I should be protected from not having to form an association to give effect to some of the other rights that the Constitution confers. Speak to us, please, about the negative component of the right to the freedom of association. Yes, that's quite right. Section 18 of the Constitution, it's one of the shortest of, of any section in the Constitution. It's very simple. It says everyone has the right to freedom of association. And we all assume we know what that means. It means if you want to form a political party, you may do so. If you want to form a trade union or a chess club or a sporting club, you may do so. That's the freedom of association. Now, Justice Madlanga said that's true, but there's another side to the same coin. Yes. Your right to form an association equally means that you don't have to form an association if you don't want to. So if you read then Section 18 of the Constitution, which gives you that negative right, and you read that together with Section 19 of the Constitution, which prescribes the circumstances under which you may stand for an election, you read those in combination, it leads you to the inevitable conclusion that the Electoral Act is unconstitutional to the extent it requires that you must be part of a political party to run for election. To the extent that this changes the game, what is the implication for me or you who might have political ambitions? What does this now entail for us to be able to have our names on the ballot? And I'm asking this question while well aware of the fact that Mr. Terit Zadlani, who's a former commissioner in the IEC and who's running his independent organization, will join us. But essentially, from a legal disposition, what does this mean for the ordinary citizen who might have such political ambition but not necessarily inclined to belong to a party? Well, it gives you the opportunity that you did not previously have. Uh, you ha- you used to have to fill out a bunch of forms, uh, submit a party uh, constitution to the IEC, um, pay whatever the registration fee is to form a political party. Um, you would then notionally have to submit to party discipline uh, associate with other people who are running on the same ticket. No longer. Uh, you, if you want to run in 2024, may go to the IEC, uh, fill out a form which does not require you to mention, to name a political party, and you may then run as an independent, much as um, people run for the British Parliament as independents. Or uh, Bernie Sanders, in fact, is an independent, even though he ran for uh, the Democratic Party nomination. A few people don't, few people understand that, in fact, he's an independent. He can choose to run for a nomination of the Democratic Party, and that's what he did, but he didn't have to join the party. Could this in any way not then be interpreted equally the extension of the right of freedom of expression, or would it be a stretch? No, not at all. Um, I, I, freedom of expression is part and parcel, um, or let me put it the other way around. Um, 
expressing your political views in the ordinary course is part of the freedom of expression. Yes. But another way to exercise your freedom of expression, of expression on a broader level is to join a political party or now to make your own political party or now to to elaborate or correct myself. Yes, It yes. now says that you go off your own back and you express yourself without joining a party but by standing as an independent. So yes, uh, freedom of expression is part and parcel of a whole bundle of rights which is associated Mm -hmm. with the Section 18 and Section 19 rights that are specifically at play in this decision. We certainly hope then that legal elucidation from Advocate Michael Osborne is clear to engage you at home as we now participate with the Constitutional Court declaring that particular section of the Electoral Act as unconstitutional for it limits the right of freedom of association. We are now also going to be joined on the line by Mr. Teritzelanu, who we remember best for his time at the IEC, but he is now the Executive Director, Independent Elections Management Organization of South Africa. I beg your pardon, I just don't have the full acronym there, but I know it's IEMSA. Mr. Teddy Zalani, good evening. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, good evening to you and to your listeners. Let's talk now about the practical implication this judgment has for the IEC come 2024. Well, the implications uh, are uh, enormous uh, because it means, uh, firstly, um, uh, the lawmakers have got to make changes not only to the Electoral Act, uh, but uh, to quite a number of other pieces of legislation that uh, have an impact or uh, which are affected by the decision uh, of the court today. One of those um, uh, acts um, is the one uh, that deals with party funding. As you may be aware that uh, when this was conceptualized, it was conceptualized on the basis of a proportional representation where um, the only aspect that was being attended to uh, was uh, the political parties that are represented in parliament. And uh, even the objective of this fund was basically to enhance multi-party democracy uh, by providing funding for represented political parties. So, um, This uh, act also, therefore, must be put in line uh, with the provisions that um, emanate from uh, today's judgment. Sorry, I beg your pardon for that. I am interested in now trying to understand the suspension for the two years. Of course, it means now Parliament must attend to to the extent that the Electoral Act is defective. They must correct that and infuse the language that the Constitutional Court spoke of, and it must adopt in Jafta Jay's um, separate concurrence a purposive approach to that so that it can get as many people on board as possible. But that language is precisely what you speak about when you say the task therefore becomes enormous. Do you foresee as a result of this judge or these judgments a phased way of getting to have candidates being represented on the ballot sheet because we don't really want to imagine a situation whereby we can have, and which is not far-fetched, hundreds of people putting themselves up in line for the election simply because they've got the pocket. Well, um, I don't think we are going to be having a a, a faced approach in terms of implementing it. 
it's going to be it's going to have to be um, implemented uh, in total. Uh, and the reason why it's going to be implemented in total is largely because of um, the sections that um, gave effect to the judgment. Sorry to interrupt you, sir. Sorry to interrupt you. No, that, that's not the question. What I'm asking is, to the extent that you not necessarily want to limit the candidates on the ballot sheet, the okay. question is, in relation to making sure you have people who are genuinely there because they are contesting an election and not just people who can be there because they can be there, how do you anticipate or how would you advise even the IEC, if you like, gatekeeping the numbers? Because, well, what should then the qualifying criteria to ultimately be on the ballot sheet? Should we have primaries? Should we have ways in which we can sift people out in the process of ultimately getting candidates onto the ballot sheet? That's what I'm asking. Not so much the application of the law. I know that has to happen all at once. Okay. Well, there are various ways that uh, can be followed in uh, dealing with it. You have mentioned uh, one aspect, which is that of having uh, to have uh, uh, primaries that are uh, managed and monitored um, by an independent institution, uh, you know, such as uh, the Electoral Commission, um, if it's got the capacity of Parliament, might uh, create another organ that would actually be able to assist in that regard. Uh, but over the years, uh, two um, instruments that have been used to, to try to limit uh, the number of uh, uh, participants by only having uh, serious players is firstly uh, financial. Um, but as you remember, that when this matter was taken to the Constitutional Court uh, previously, there was a concern that uh, the kind of charges that are, uh, the fees that are charged to political parties for participation must not be so exorbitant that it actually discourages uh, those who do not have the resources uh, to participate in the process. It is during a time when the EFF uh, took the matter to the uh, Constitutional Court. So, But it is one instrument that is there, and it is being used even now. I mean, the amount has been lowered a little bit, uh, but it is being used. The second one uh, is basically to use uh, the number uh, during registration or your when you indicate your uh, your desire to participate in the process, um, where you would have to get a particular number of supporters endorsing your candidature. Um, and then if you take that number to almost the number that would actually a person require uh, to have a seat in parliament, then it means... Uh, in a way, such a person, if they are able to cross the threshold, they would have been able to demonstrate that um, there is a likelihood that they would still be able to get into Parliament, even though it's not a guarantee, because you're doing this um, in advance of an election. I'm going to ask one final question to you, Advocate Michael Osborne, now that you've somewhat heard the practical implication for the Independent Electoral Commission in relation to this game changer, if you like, in relation to the elections. Let me take you back to the Constitution, particularly Section 1D. 
The Republic of South Africa is one sovereign democratic state founded on the following values, among others, universal adult suffrage and national common voters' role, regular elections and a multi-party system of democratic government to ensure accountability, responsiveness and openness. The declaring of this section in the Electoral Act as constitutional has many practical legal implications. Now, I know the instruction is for Parliament to correct the Electoral Act, but of course it might mean even an 18th Amendment to the Constitution because it is not just limited to a multi-party system. How do you foresee the legislative changes that will have to be considered for the purposes of giving effect to the decision of the Concord in relation to the Electoral Act? Um, That's a difficult question. And what the Constitutional Court has done in this case has said, look, it's not our business as a part of the judiciary to write legislation. We are giving you, uh, Parliament, 24 months, and you must figure something out. What we've given you is we've given you a set of principles that derive from the proper interpretation of the Constitution. You now have to go and amend the Electoral Act to accommodate individuals. Now, this is, it's not an impossible task because mm. uh, we know that um, under the Constitution, under Chapter 6 of the Constitution, we have local government, and local government already allows for effectively a constituency or ward based system. Yes. Um, where, where, where people are not put in as ward councillors proportionately. But effectively, you have a constituency-based system, uh, or at least I should say half of the municipal councillors are put there on the basis of ward. The other half are put there uh, proportionately. So you could say, why can't you take that kind of system, which still has a strong proportionate element, and adapt that and have it for parliament and for provincial legislatures? The point made by Justice Madlanga is that we recognize the the importance of proportionality. We've we've moved away from the first past the the post purely constituency system. But there's no reason why a space not be opened up for to to create the opportunity Mm -hmm. for individuals to, to set themselves up. But that is going to be complicated. Um, It's going to further complicate our electoral system. It's already complicated at the local level with a split between ward and proportional seats. It's now going to be also complicated at the national and the legislative uh, uh, level. The great advantage of a a proportional representation based on party lists is it makes it relatively simple. Uh, you, you simply take the number of votes and you divide it by the number of seats and you leave it up to the parties to put their list forward. Sure. It's not going to be that simple anymore.
Yeah, it's not going to be that simple. We're going to have to let you go. Advocate Michael Osborne, thank you so much. Advocate here who has a practice in constitutional law. Those who might want to have questions, you pay big bucks to hear him speak. We were lucky we didn't have to pay that much. Let's take a short ad break. We're going to welcome as well Mr. Bulelani Mkotliswa, who is part of the New New Nation movement, who were the applicants in the particular matter before the Constitutional Court. We're taking your calls and questions on zero eight rather on oh eight nine one one oh four two oh seven WhatsApp voice notes. Remember the rules oh six one four one oh four one oh seven. Clean lines, no swearing, keep it brief, ideally under a minute, and no dogs barking or television set on. After this break we continue the conversation with Monsieur Zelani and Mkotlis. SAFM one oh four to one oh seven nationwide leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhez on SAFM. We are back. We are live. It's Mr. Teritzalane and Mr. Bulelani Mkotliso, respectively the executive director of IMSA and one of the members of the New Nation movement who filed the petition before the Constitutional Court in this matter that is now under discussion. Ms. Silindi, we're Nomadriza in the Eastern Cape. A question to you, and I'm going to put it to you, Mr. Tzalani. Hi, Songhezo. Please ask, if I run as an independent candidate, may I appoint anyone from any party or no party member at all? to the cabinet and parliament, and which position would suit you? I think that really does speak to now that it's going to effectively challenge the proportional representation system as is currently employed. What then should be the best solution? Because right now, let's let's just imagine a situation whereby Mr. X or Miss X, out of 10 million votes cast, wins 6 million of those votes. That's essentially a 60% endorsement of that individual. And what that should mean is that should translate to 60% of the seats in parliament if it were a party. But because it is an individual, surely it should accord, and I put it to you in line with Ms. Nomadriza's question there, that that candidate who has won the 60% confidence from the electorate should pick, first of all, 60 people or six out of ten people, for his or her satisfaction in Parliament, and from those members of Parliament, 400 of, pick his or her cabinet, with the exception that is given to two members outside the National Assembly <coughs> potentially being in Parliament. Would that be offensive, Mr. Tzala? <laughs> it's a very interesting uh, way of looking at it. However, um, remember that... Um, at the moment, we would be speculating. We don't know what formula uh, Parliament is going to develop uh, to deal with the issue of uh, the uh, seeds. In other words, when you make a determination in terms of who has got how much, uh, there is a formula that must be developed that will be able to guide and indicate as to whether if you have so much um, individual uh, votes, um, and then compared to proportionality, how how does it um, you know eventually uh, pan out? Uh, but I need to also raise an issue that uh, from time to time uh, was used by uh, the not the applicants but uh, those who were opposing the minister of former affairs as well as others, um, 
as a justification of uh, keeping the current system. The Constitution talks about having to have a system that results substantially uh, in proportionality. Now, what what that would mean once the parliamentarians have been able to look into this, um, it's another question. So we can't make a determination right now until such time that a formula has been developed. And that formula would have to be in line with the Constitution and to take in consideration, in consideration that provision uh, within the Constitution that even though you've got uh, Section um, 19, um, 3B uh, or 19 as a whole, um, which allows an individual to stand as an independent and then to contest and to hold office. Um, but still, um, there has got to be a system where uh, the, 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 the electoral system results uh, substantially in proportionality. Fantastic. Let's take a caller from Port Elizabeth, Babunonde. After that, we're going to go to Mr. Bulelani Mkotli. So I think it's yes, fair to yes. say you can go, Babu Tselani. Thank you so much for your wisdom. Babunonde, good evening. Evening, evening, Bungani. Yes, sir. Bungani, quick one. Sorry to gloat, but Mbuisal Obalanga was devastated with me. Now, back to the point. Songhezo, this appears to be good news. I'm not so sure whether, as a judge Mohuang said, whether then constitution can be used, you know, to liberate the oppressed. What I'm trying to say, I want to find out the operationalization of this judgment. Because some years ago, I recall Bill Clinton running together with McCain and Ross Perot, who was then the independent. It appears to me independent candidates tend to have big pockets in America. And I know that South Africa are copycats, right? The independent in this country will be, by and large, uh, have deep pockets. Now, I wonder if the deep pockets will change the system and the macroeconomic policy so that it benefits the poor of the poorest. Together, good evening. Very much a good evening to you, Babu Nwanta. Thank you so much. Perhaps, Mr. Bulalani Mkoshiswa, you have considered some of these aspects that it might favor then those with the deep pocket as we're seeing. Campaign financing in the United States is a massive deal and has a way of effectively determining an election outcome, case in point, the incumbent right now. What perhaps, just very quickly, might your misgiving be about the implications of that statement as raised by Bobo Ngond. Mr. Well, thank you so much for having us yes, um, uh, tonight and even uh, good evening even to your listeners. Even before maybe I take Bobo uh, Ngond's uh, question uh, or point, um, I would like to also just to agree with Undadetzelani that whatever that we are going to be talking about now is pure speculation. Uh, from our from our point of view, the, the issue was always to say how can we effect uh, a radical change that will hopefully uh, help to stimulate and even have a, you know the review of the whole electoral system. 
so that we can have an electoral reform. That was our that was our our intention from the beginning. And we are also very aware that South Africa is a constitutional democracy. And that that also means that the constitutional court and the constitution is the highest court in the land. Uh, and whatever decisions that are taken there, or even the constitution itself, gives the framework for parliament to then uh, put together the legislation that must be compliant with the constitution. So for us, it was always to to disrupt, you know, what we had found that the, the, the political parties had become very comfortable. Mm. Um, you know, so we needed something that was going to poke the system. And, and this judgment today has confirmed that. In terms of the thinking of, of who is going to benefit much um, uh, with this judgment, our view is that, one, we have a tendency, and I think that Munda is correct, we have a tendency of wanting to cut and paste Anything that is European, anything that is from the West, we think it's going to work for us. What we're hoping for, Songhez, uh, with this judgment, is that South Africans, particularly the ordinary citizens and the ordinary people on the ground, can mobilize themselves and make sure that their voices are heard. Because what we're hoping for is a decentralized system where the power resides mainly with communities or with the districts, and those districts being... Uh, directed uh, to a large degree, you know, by the citizens in that area. Mm. Um, and so our, our, our approach is that we would want this to benefit the ordinary people who do not have to have too much money, uh, you know, to actually run as an independent candidate. And I'm, gonna, I'm going to give you a very simple example. I was invited by a group of young people on Sunday to Kagane. These guys are already preparing to run as independent councillors for 2021 local government. And our position is very simple. That Guys, you do not need to be a big party for that election. All you need to do is to serve your community. Uh, the community must know that you, you have their interest at heart. And we have found young people who have set up um, community development projects. And those young people are accepted as community leaders. You know, uh, in already the community is saying, if we can, we would actually love to have these people representing us um, in Parliament. You know, so, so I think the point that we're making is we're hoping that with this judgment, South Africans, whether they're coming from a traditional, whether they're coming from the young people, whether they're coming from uh, women, you know, and I'm just highlighting the, you know, the groupings that feel that their voices have been marginalized, even the church complaining a lot around this cause because saying get together find people that can speak on your behalf and make sure that your interests are heard in parliament you know so, so we are hoping that uh, the system that is going to be designed it is going to be a system whether you are rich or poor as mm-hmm. well as you have the interest of their nation and your people at heart. Fantastic. Let's take an ad break. We're going to continue with the discussion, also contemplating some of the thoughts of those who are listening in on this conversation. 2041, we return with Bulelani Mkotliswa, New Nation Movement. They have won at the Constitutional Court. On SAFM. We continue the conversation. We're now talking specifically to the New Nation Movement, Mr. Bulelani Mkotliswa, who essentially wants to just 
create a situation of more accountability on the part of those elected individuals in public office, not just at local government level, where potentially it is still something which can happen, or not even potentially, at legally it happens, whether or not in reality it takes place, story for another day, but certainly he wants to escalate that to participate equally at the provincial and national level. Well, we're going to speculate on a lot of these things because the judgment is not even a day old, but... What is your end game with this now? To the extent that Parliament in creating this new legal regime, what are going to be chief among your submissions for the purposes of giving effect to this judgment as you have elucidated when you're given an opportunity before the Standing Committee in the Home Affairs Department? Uh, as I'm going to be very honest with you. We, we are currently consulting with a number of people that have come on board to say they would want to assist us so that when the time comes for the submissions, uh, we are able to submit something that is uh, substantive. I I think the the only issue that we have come to understand and and to acknowledge about this current government is that anything that is not going to be uh, favorable to them, uh, they will always follow the the protocols that have been put in place just to satisfy. Uh, You know that they'll follow those, uh, those processes, but they always start with a decision in mind, even when they start those processes. Mm. And I mean, a case in point is even the expropriation of land without compensation. Mm. You know, so, so for us, we, as much as we're going to be making those submissions, the, 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 the position that we had taken, even before this judgment, as long as this morning, our view was whether the judgment is in our favor or it's not in our favor. Yeah. What we have gathered sufficiently that South Africans are, 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 are looking forward to a situation where they can choose their own independence that can go and represent them. So we're saying if this judgment was not in our favor, we would have still continued with that process, but mm. create a vehicle, you know, for, 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 for the independence that are coming from the different constituencies to come together, even if we, we were registered a political party, but the whole system mm. was going to reflect exactly what we're talking about. So the point that we're making is we do not want to leave this thing to the hands of, of the politicians. Uh, we, we want to put things in place to make sure that if it needs be, uh, if, uh, for example, Parliament can say 24 months, uh, uh, let's say 22 months in, in, into uh, the 24-month period that they've been given, they ask for extension and they played all those dirty tricks, we must just be ready. You know, to to actually show South Africans that there is another way of beating the existing system. So we are very resolute in terms of saying this judgment. Uh, we are going to make sure that it works for the ordinary citizens and ordinary South Africans on the street. We can only wish you well for that. Thank you then so much for joining us, Mr. Bulalani Mkhotliswa. All the best indeed as the new nation movement. Who knows, maybe this time next year or in 24 months' time, certainly the conversation will have a lot more certainty than right now because there's a lot of speculation. Until then, so long. Mr. Bulalani Mkhotliswa. Sorry, Mkhotliswa. New nation movement. They won at the Constitutional Court today.